Y'all ready? Y'all look good today. Turn to somebody and say, Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Glory be to God. We're starting a new sermon series, uh, I Am Jesus. And uh, uh, so we're going to talk about the I Ams of Jesus in this. And today we're going to talk about I Am the Resurrection and the Life. Amen? Amen, amen. So, you know, I've been, I woke up this morning and I was singing He's Alive and uh, Resurrection songs. And I thought, you know, we start singing Christmas songs around Thanksgiving. Why aren't we? We, we need to have by a month and a half of resurrection songs because this, this is the greatest day in history. We're celebrating the greatest day in history that Jesus is alive. And, you know, we'll read a little bit about it. But Paul said if, if he's not alive, then we're doing this for nothing. We might as well go be as meanest and ugliest as we can be because there is no hope. But the resurrection life of Jesus brings hope to our lives. Amen? Amen. And we'll talk about that hope today. But, you know, let's get excited about the Word of God and what our foundation. What I'm going to ask, does anybody need sermon notes? I can't see for the lights. Wave. There's ushers ready to give you sermon notes. If you don't have them, we're going to start with our foundation scripture. And it's in uh, John eleven twenty five. 25. As a matter of fact, the whole sermon's out of John 11 today. And so if you'll look, it said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Glory be to God. And whoever lives and believes in me, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what the, Jesus is asking. Do you believe this? Hey, 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 if you believe this, then you're never going to die. Now, your body's going to get old, and you know, something may happen, and you're going to physically die, but spiritually die. You'll never do that. You're going to live forever. The choice is made here now whether you're going to live forever with God or you're going to go to hell. I choose heaven. Hey, hey, I choose heaven. And I, and I can cause my flesh to suffer just a little bit so I can make it to heaven. Uh-huh. It's not earning it. It's already been paid for. And I just want to step into it. Amen? Y'all ready to step into heaven? Because there's a heaven to gain and a hell to walk away from. Whew. I don't want no part of hell. Uh-huh. All right, all right. This scripture is talking about our salvation. That's what uh, our salvation is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it is. He's, he won. He has the victory. He's my champion. He's your champion. You know, I know I use it all the time, but, you know, y'all yell, my team won the championship. We won. I said, you wasn't on the field. How can you say we won? Because you're a fan. But I won because of Jesus. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but he won for me. And all I had to do was believe and step into what he has won for me. So if you look at your life today and you see some things that, man, that's not godly, that's not Jesus, guess what? The battle's already been won for you to have the victory over it. We just got to learn to step into it. Amen, amen? So number one on your sheet, Jesus is alive. Let's just go ahead and settle it. You've got to settle it in your heart. You say, well, I, I, I know that. Yeah, well, you've got to be sure. Because guess what? One day you will die. Guess what? You're going to have a loved one die. Guess what? You're going to know people that die. Death's the last enemy that's going to be put under our feet. 
But guess what? When we die, we step into glory. Come on, we don't stay here and sleep. We're not, we're not, we're not going to ghost. We're not going to be any ghost around here. When you, when you die, you step into glory. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord for the believer. Amen, amen. Now, Jesus has a physical body, but if I died right here on this stage today, I wouldn't have a physical body until he comes back and the trumpet sounds and I'm going to get a new body. But my spirit man is going into heaven. Hey, hey. And you know what? My learning will continue because I'm going to learn everything I don't know that's right and everything that I've learned that was wrong, I'll have to change. You know, you're going to have to change and we'll be changed. We're going to be like Jesus. Amen. So he's risen. He's our hope. Uh, he's our eternity. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I read this about three or four weeks ago. It says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. This is Paul who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. And he said, this is the gospel. You want to know what the good news is? Here it is. The gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and you stand in. I mean, you're standing in the gospel today. Come on, I'm standing in the gospel. Look at the next verse. In verse 2, by which also you were saved, or you are saved, and you hold fast to that word which I preached to you unless you believe in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Everybody say, Jesus died for my sins. He died for my sins, for I delivered to you first of all that he died now, and that he was buried. Hey, hey, he was buried, but that tomb's empty, amen? And on the third day, we start our days at midnight. They start their days when the sun goes down. That's how you get three days out of it if you have any question about it. Three days, he died. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people to tell you that he swooned, he wasn't really dead. I mean, the soldier that stuck uh, the spear in his side, he knew what he was doing. He knows where the heart was at. You know, if you're shooting a deer, you got to know where the heart's at. They were professional killers. They killed people on the cross every day. There wasn't no playing. Matter of fact, if Jesus was really alive, then they would have been put to death. But they killed him. They knew he was dead. They put that spear in his side. They went and said, he's already dead. And they knew what they were talking about. So don't let the devil play that game with you. Well, people, intellectual people try to talk you out of your salvation saying Jesus didn't really die. I'm saying that because Jesus died. And then you have religious people say, well, God can't die. My God, Jesus was God and he couldn't die. No, Jesus took on humanity. He took on humanity. It's so important to know that he became a man, flesh and blood, man, and suffered. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just suffering. Jesus suffered for you. He knows. The Bible says that he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we go through. He became a man to understand exactly what we go through. He dealt with the sin nature. It attacked him. He didn't have one. But he dealt with it with all the 12 knuckleheads he walked around with. He saw the sin nature in them every day. He sees it in you, but he still loves you. And he's still walking with you. He walked with those 12. And he's walking with us. That according to the scriptures, he rose again. Mm. 
and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and that he was seen by five hundred at once, of whom the greater part remained until the present, and but some have already fallen asleep or have already died. After that, he was seen by James, who was his brother, who became the pastor in Jerusalem. And last, he was seen of me, born out of due time. 500 people, counting the 12. They saw him alive. They saw him alive. Nobody ever said, well, you know, he didn't really die. We're going to crucify you. You need to deny him. Can't do that. Peter said, I can't deny he's alive. Just crucify me upside down. Cut me in half. Cut my head off. I don't care. I'm going to be with him. They knew it. They lived it. They believed it. And they died for it. Glory be to God. It may come to the place that we have to die for it. If you're the pastor, you die for us. Jesus already died for us. So he's alive. Amen. Number two, this is what I really want to talk about. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection was not an event. Oh, it was an event, but it was a person. Jesus is the resurrection and life. He told Martha and Mary, and we'll talk about Lazarus. You know, he raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, there was uh, Martha and Mary, and Lazarus lived in Bethany. Y'all know where Bethany's at? It's two miles from Jerusalem. It's on the outskirts. It's a suburb. I'm going to try to help you understand. Right here, you walk out that door, you're two miles to the red light. Bethany, two miles to Jerusalem. It's not that far. Jesus walked it several, several times, especially the last week he was on the earth. And so Jesus told them, I'm the resurrection and the life, not the event, I am. I am the resurrection and life. You have Jesus living in you, you got his spirit living in you, you have resurrection life on the inside of you. Whoa, see, it's a little bit different way to think about this. We know what Jesus did, but what, it is, what does it mean how are we supposed to live? We live too many, we live too much by our own strength. Yeah, God, God wants you to use your strength, but He wants you to bless your strength. You know, this electricity is in and out. It's crazy electricity today, isn't it? That's all right. Jesus is here. So we're going to talk about Lazarus' story. I'm not going to read it, I'm going to tell it to you. Are you ready? So in Bethany was Mary, or Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Lazarus got sick unto death. Now, Jesus was friends with them. He stayed with them at their house. They, they cooked for him, cleaned for him, probably washed his clothes. And so he, Jesus had been there about a week before, and that's where uh, Martha was cooking for everybody and said, come on, make Jesus, make Mary cook. Uh, come in here and help me cook. And she goes, no, she needs to hear what I've got to say. And he left and went to ministry and come back, and they, they sent a letter to him and said, the one you love is sick, sick unto death. And he got a letter, but Jesus was busy ministering to people, and he stayed two extra days before he could leave. And so he left. He said, all right, boys, uh, let's load up. We're going to go back to Judea. Uh, Lazarus is asleep, and we got to go wake him up. And they said, well, if he's asleep, he's doing good, because they heard he was sick. And so Jesus had to say, no, he's dead, and we're going to go raise him up. But the disciples said, when we're going back to Judea, they said, well, they're going to stone you. They're going to kill you. They're out to kill you, Jesus. 
They're going to kill you. And he goes, no, we're going to raise Lazarus up. And, and, and so, so Thomas said, well, let's, let's just go with him. We'll die with him. You know, let me say it like, well, I might as well just go on and die with him then. You ever met somebody talk like that? And so they head up, and they head coming into town, and Martha and Mary are crying. They're upset. And, you know, they had people that, in the village that knew them, and they were crying with them. And somebody said, Jesus is coming. And Martha ran to meet him, and Mary stayed at the house. And Martha starts to know, if you was here, if you'd just been here, he wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't be dead if you'd have done something. If you'd have done something, he wouldn't be dead. And Jesus said, this is where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe? She goes, I believe you're the, she said the same thing that Peter said. You're the Messiah. You know, on this, I'll build my church. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. I believe that. And so Jesus is kind of waiting outside their town. And then she, Martha leaves and goes and tells Mary. And Jesus didn't say he was looking for her, but she kind of said, Jesus is waiting on you. And Mary jumps up and starts running to Jesus and falls at his feet and begins to cry. She's crying on his feet, and it broke Jesus' heart. He recognized the pain she was going through. He knew the pain. Matter of fact, he'd felt that pain before. Any other time you can think about Jesus feeling that pain where a friend died? How about a cousin named John the Baptist? He lost his cousin. They, they, they killed his cousin, and it broke his heart. And he began to weep, and all the people said, well, well look how he, he, loved, he loved Lazarus. Look, look, if he'd have been here, maybe he could have done something different. And so Jesus said, show me where you've got him buried. At this time, they say that Jesus is going to the tomb. Martha meets him. And Jesus walks up to the tomb and said, roll that stone away. And Martha said, wait a minute, Lord, it's been four days. You know, in their culture, a lot of times they went and checked the body after three days to make sure they was really dead. You know, the Romans knew what they were doing, but they, they didn't know if they was really dead. But Jesus, Mar Martha said, don't open the tomb. You know, he stinks by now. And Jesus looked at her and said, did I not say that if you would believe, you could see the glory of God? Roll that stone away. And they rolled the stone away, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I heard the preacher say, if he hadn't said Lazarus, everybody in that graveyard had got up and come out of there. <laughs> bones and all, huh? We just sang he makes bones in the armies. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes hopping out because he's all wrapped up. With about 10 pounds of wrapping on him. Loose him, somebody. Let him go. He's covered. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb. But you think about that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you look at your sheet, though, I want to talk about Jesus wants to resurrect some dead things in your life. Do you know that a lot of us have broken dreams? A lot of us can't, can't see because of the hurt and pain that we've had in our life. Uh, there are things that Jesus wants to restore. See, to raise Lazarus from the dead, it took not only a miracle, he had to be healed, and he had to be restored. I mean, the miracle is, is to make it come alive, but I mean, it, he, had, he had to, the rigor mortis had to go. The, you think about all this, the craziness stuff had to go. It was total, complete restoration. And he lived, he lived even until Jesus was crucified. 
We don't know when he died, but yeah, he, he died eventually. Because if you read the story, they, they, the uh, Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus because everybody became a believer when they saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Ooh, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. You know, I have my, I have my dummy that I preach with sometimes, and I, he's got the shirt on the walking dead. We're not the walking dead, people. We're supposed to be the living and you've got to let Jesus start to live on the inside of you and live big on the inside of you. If I had to change this sermon, this something came to me today is you're not the only one. You're not the only one. You're not the only one to face the things that you're going through, to face the things that you uh, have been through, or maybe the things that you're going to face next month. You're not the only one. You are not the only one. The devil will tell you, nobody knows your pain. Nobody knows what you're going through. Let me tell you, Jesus does, and Jesus won. And Jesus has empowered us to overcome the trouble that we face in this life. If you look on your sheet, A, is we can be dead in our doubts. It's time to quit doubting God. It's time to start believing him. We don't need to be dead in our, our doubts. John eleven sixteen. This is the story of Lazarus. And when when the and uh, Jesus said we got to go to Judea. This is what Thomas said. You know, doubting Thomas. Uh, King James said Didymus. That's what they called him. He was the twin. And he said to his fellow disciples, and, and you know, I'm gonna try to say it like Eeyore would. Well, let us just go down there and die with him. You ever met somebody that negative all the time? Well, they're giving out raises. Well, I ain't going to get one. Always living in the negative. Always living in the doubt. Always doubting God, doubting the word, doubting uh, everybody. You, you can't, you know, if you doubt the people you're living with, they're miserable too. You're miserable and you need to let Jesus change your heart. Jesus, the Bible says, is the author and finisher of your faith. It's his faith. It's your doubt. Let go of your doubt and take a hold of his faith. He's given every, the Bible says he's given every one of us faith. And what you're doubting is coming from you or the devil. Because he'll whisper in your ear. And he'll tell you, oh, no, it don't work for you. It works for pastors. Baloney. I know pastors that don't walk in it. We all have to live by faith. And we cannot live in doubt and unbelief. We have to stir ourselves up. Has anybody other than me ever had any spiritual doubts? Okay, I saw about a few hands. The rest of y'all need to polish up your halo <laughs> because it's getting a little dirty. No, we, spiritual doubt, doubt comes to everybody. Amen. Doubt comes to everybody. But we have to learn to recognize and to get the victory over our doubts and start believing God. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm going to tell you, you can't judge your faith or your life by the trouble that comes to your door. Amen. Trouble's coming. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have trouble. He had trouble, but he overcame. And that's why he said, my peace I give to you, my peace I, give, I leave with you. So, so we got to learn and turn from our problems and turn to Jesus. Amen. And sometimes you have to turn like this. So you can't see your problem, smell your problem, taste your problem, or touch your problem. Because we too many times we we just that becomes our focus. It's all we can see. 
Man, back in the day, I'm going to date myself, there was a guy that sang rose-colored glasses that I'm looking through. Some of y'all need to take your glasses off, your problem glasses. He was looking, he wouldn't, couldn't believe the problem, so he was looking at, she still loves me, she still likes me, she still is for me, and she's gone. But too many of us are looking at our, we have problem glasses. We put our glasses on, all we see is problem. We're Eeyore. We have that negative attitude. Come on, it's time to break that off, amen? B, how many are dead in discouragement? How many know Mary? When Jesus came, Mary was so discouraged, she wouldn't even go see Jesus. How many of y'all ever seen people get discouraged in life and they quit church? They quit God, they quit anything that encourages them, and they try to live by their own strength because they're already in failure mode. They're discouraged. The scripture said, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she sent out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mm, man, I know people that, have, that go to bed and don't get out of bed because of discouragement, because of hopelessness. Hopelessness will destroy you. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Come on. Hopelessness will make you sick. You have got to encourage yourself. You need to be like David. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Look, David, David did things stupid. Stupid things happened to him. And he still, but he had to learn to chase God. I mean, they went off the battle. They went and stole his kids, their wives, and everything else. And his soldiers turned on him. Man, they turned on him. Then he did stupid things, and he had to repent. But we are not without hope. I don't care if you've done, if what you've done, if you've messed up what you did, God loves you, and you are not without hope. You know, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. Where can you hide from God if he was going to get you? We're under grace and mercy. We're under his mercy right now. You'd already been God if he's going to get you. What's he waiting on? You, nothing stopping him. Because he can do several things at one time. He can get you and still, you know, keep, take care of everybody else. But God, the Bible says that you're his favorite, that you're the apple of his eye. And he is trying to encourage you and strengthen you and get you to stand up on your feet in him. To live in him. Now, the getting's coming. But the believer ain't a part of that. Come on, keep yourself. You can reap what you sow. If you, you stick a hot match to you, you're going to get a blister right there. You reap what you sow. You, you chase sin, sin's going to burn you. Okay, okay. If you're discouraged and depressed, maybe your marriage stinks. Maybe you stink as a parent, you think. Maybe you think nobody loves you. It's all lies because it can all change. If you're weak as a parent, you can get strong. If you're weak, your marriage is weak, it can get strong. Come on, if you're, if you're weak in doubt, your faith can get strong. Jesus made the way that you could have all these things. So it's time, we've got one more point, but it's time for the Holy Spirit to awaken these things in you. So, I'm just going to take a commercial break. The Bible says, resist the devil. Resist him, 
and he'll flee from you. He didn't say put your arm around him. Well, I hear you. It's rough out there. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, I, I hear rumor we're going to lose our job, you know, and you're just talking to everything the devil's talking. And it brings discouragement and hopelessness, and it brings negativity. And I laughed. I, I, I was working at this job one time, and it been there just a year, and they, the rumor came out, they're closing the plant. And I'm like, they're closing? That's a rumor. I said, I don't know. Yeah, amen. And so... Uh, <laughs> So I began to say what God would say Amen. in my heart. And I, I don't have a scripture for it, but I, the word of God does back up what I say. And so I began to say, I'm walking through the plant. If I lose this job, I get a better one in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that how hard is that to say? And I told that one Wednesday night in a Bible study, and two ladies had just got divorced, and they looked at each other. I'm gonna get a, if I lose this husband, I'm getting a better one in Jesus' name. <laughs> But do you see how, how, but what you say, how it will affect you? I could have, you know, because somebody ran up to me, you just bought a car, what are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to be good. God's got me. God's got me. I said, I'm going to be good. You know, because you operate life about where you're at, and you, I bought a car not knowing I was going to lose my job. But the favor of God was on me. Last one hired at that plant and the last one to leave. Come on. And so we got we to battle. See, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you're losing your job or you don't like your job, ask Jesus to resurrect it. Was he care about where I work? Yes. If you're there, he cares about it. Do you know why God hates car wrecks? Because if you're in it, he hates it. Why does he hate sin? Because it hurts you. He doesn't hate you. He hates sin. He hates sin because it hurts you. That's why he wants you out of sin. That's why Jesus came. B, a C. C. A lot of us are dead in delay. What does that mean? Well, Martha said, he's been three days. It's been four days. He stinks. If you'd have been here, Jesus, if you'd have done something, Lord, why didn't you do something, Jesus? I've asked, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and nothing's happened. Delay doesn't mean no. Delays are not God's denials. I mean, you know, some of us quit right before the blessing comes. But we live in a McDonald's society. Can I help you? Yeah, I want two hamburgers, a fries, and a Coke. Okay, pull around the first window. And that's the way we expect our prayers to be answered. Lord, I, I, I need a new job. I need you to make a way. Well, so how does it work in the earth? If you need a new job, somebody's got to hire you. God works in the system, too. I prayed for people that were going to jail. I prayed for people to be arrested. When the guy's threatening to kill his wife and kill his babies, and they can't find him, and she came up crying, they can't find him, and he's wanting to kill me, and I'm so afraid, I said, come on, grab my hands right now. In the name of Jesus, we're going to believe that he gets arrested. 
And he got arrested. They couldn't find him. But I've also prayed mercy and grace on people that they would have favor with the judge when they stood up there. Instead of getting three years, they got six months. Because they had turned their life around. They had faith to believe, I've changed my life. But how about getting involved? If, if I'm believing for a job, then God's got to work on his heart to want to hire me. If I'm going to work for him, God's got to work on both ends. My wife probably were running around crazy. Hey, let me stop another commercial break. We've got time. We just hired a new youth pastor and his wife. Give the Lord a shout. The reason I just said that, God has to work on my heart and their heart because they're coming from Texas. And if they come from Texas, he's from Texas. And they're coming from Texas, out desert Texas, to come here. They came and visited last weekend. She took her shoes off, walked in the grass. They don't have any grass. And <laughs> glory be to God. But my point is, I said, you've got to know and I've got to know. We have got to know that this is the will of God, that God wants you here. You've got to know for sure because if you come on my knowing, you're going to quit in six months when it gets tough. But when six months and you know that God sent you because I've been in some jobs that were hard. And I was wondering if God sent me there. And I thought I was there to make a living. And God was sending me there, sent me there to witness to people, to get people saved. Not only was it a blessing to me, it was a blessing to them too. So, so listen, God's delays are not denials. Don't quit. Martha's like, if you'd have been here before he died, you could have, he would have never died. And I know I, I'm not the only one that's ever done that. Jesus, if, you, if you'd have done something, it'd been different. But hear me, God works through us, in us. Let him quicken you. Start chasing him, chasing his word. One reminder, Romans 8. Because we're going to do communion this morning. Romans 8, 11. It says, But if the Spirit of Him, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Did you hear that? But if the Spirit of God lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus didn't raise Himself from the dead. The Father sent the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, believer. Come on. And it will quicken your body and quicken your mind. It will quicken everything about you. That's resurrection power. You have it. It's time to tap into it. It's time to start speaking it. I speak resurrection life over this job in the name of Jesus. I speak resurrection life over my children in the name of Jesus. I speak resurrection life over my wife, over my husband in the name of Jesus. I speak resurrection life in my household. Come on. It's on the inside of you. Wake it up. You're the one sitting on it. You're holding it down. Well, I just don't want to get too religious. Better let God be God on the inside of you. You want victory. If you had victory, if you could have it by yourself, Jesus wouldn't have to die. And matter of fact, Buddha didn't die for you. Muhammad didn't die for you. 
The only one that died for mankind is the Savior of the world. That's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one who died for the people of God. He died for all mankind. He came and he died. That's why it's so, and it's so important to know that not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again and had victory over them. He went to hell so you don't have to. Glory be to God. Before we take communion, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to look at your heart. The Bible says in, in Corinthians when we take communion that we're to judge ourselves. As believers, we're to judge ourselves, but I want you to judge yourself. Are you saved? Do you know for sure? Are you for sure? Is your heart, do you know in your heart, you know what, if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Are you sure? I want you to be sure. God wants you to be sure. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, for the first time, you've never asked him to come into your heart, will you do that? Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I've never, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. that's you, just lift your hand. Maybe you're here today and you've been a long time since you've been before God and felt his presence and you know I'm not where I ought to be. Not where I ought to be. And you want to repent and give your life to Jesus totally and completely. If that's you, just lift your hand. Raise it up and put it down. I see your hand. I see your hand. You know what? The Bible says that he will no wise, no way cast you out. He will no way. He loves you. Anybody else real quick? Then let's pray this prayer together. Come on, all of us pray. Say, Father, today I'm coming back to you. I give you my whole heart. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me from my sin. Renew my heart. Renew my mind. Quicken my body. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to God. We're going to make ready to receive communion. So in front of you, at the chair in front of you is a communion cup. And I'll need an usher that's got a, uh, the box to come up here with communion. And so you'll reach in front. There's a little hook there. And uh, everybody go ahead and grab a cup. On top of that cup is a communion wafer. And we're going to receive communion. Just You take the top of the Wafer off first. Does anybody need one? Don't have one? Run out. Right there is one. Give that gentleman there one. So in 1 Corinthians 11... And I always read it from there because Paul got this from Jesus. Jesus took communion with his disciples. And, uh, but Paul was a, a Bible teacher. Jesus taught him what, 
what the bread was, what, what the body was. And look what it says in, in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're to remember what Jesus has done. Today we remember that not only that he died, but he rose again. The resurrection life of Jesus. In the next verse, in the same manner he took the cup after supper, saying, This is my cup. It's the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're to remember what Jesus has done. And then the next verse, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I know people that do this every morning. They don't come to a church and do it. They do it at their dining table and they do it at their prayer time and they do it with God. They remember that Jesus died for them every day that he bore their sickness, that he bore their sin, that he bore everything about them. And so I want to encourage you, do this. You can do this. You can take 1 Corinthians 11. And so let's do it right now. Hold the bread up, and let's remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. He, He was beaten. He was bruised. It was horrible, horrible death. One of the worst deaths that you can die. Matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers said that instead of telling people to just go to hell, they would tell them in Rome, go to the cross. Because they said that's hell on earth. So we remember what Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. That we might live. But his body was broken that we could have healing. That the, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head was the curse that attacks our mind. The doubts and the fears and the thoughts that we have. That you were, that he was abused, uh, abused for us. Chastised, made fun of. So we could have peace. Thank you, Father, for the broken body in Jesus' name. Go ahead and partake. So in the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, as often as you do this, this is the, my blood. See, it's so awesome that the blood of Jesus backs the word of God. That we can be washed in the blood, made clean and white as snow. That our sins are totally wiped out. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We remember that it was shed for us. We thank you, Father, for forgiveness, for life, and for the power that's in the blood. Go ahead and partake of it. I want you to close your eyes. Cody's going to sing, and let's just worship the Lord. If you need something, just... Lift your hand up and receive it from the Lord right now.
I still feel like the Lord's tugging on some hearts. I am available. Come talk to me. Somebody just said, well, you know, nobody's like me. Nobody in here in this church is like me. You know, there was nobody like Jesus either. He knows what that's like. He's still asking you to give your life to him. Let him take you and make you better than what you are and stronger and give you the victory. Amen.